Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I trust in the soul journey and have fun joining the dots. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And do you know how close we are to our 100th episode, everybody? We're going to have to put on party shoes. Oh my gosh, I remember that first time we got together and you said we've got this opportunity and let's write some topics. And we were blown away that we wrote 52 topics. We did a year's worth. We came out with a year's worth of topics in about 20 minutes and that's how we knew. Fascinating. We knew this was going to work. We were on our sole purpose. (laughs) Wow, a hundred. I know, we're just saying to let you guys know as a hundred draws near, we'll have to do something a bit special and it will definitely be an hour show. What will be in that show will have to be something very special for all of you. So, No pressure. Well, Beck. Our thinking caps on for that. So, but today we're actually revisiting um, a topic which we you might want to go back and hear the first episode we recorded on, which was on past lives. Um, so this is kind of past lives part two, but of course we're going to go a bit chunkier and a little bit deeper and and investigate some other questions that we may not have touched on, um, including I think a lot today about children, as in. You know, what happens if you miscarry or if you have an abortion or you lose a child? What, who are the children coming through at the moment? There's been a lot of entries and exits that Jane and I have noticed lately, like, you know, famous people dying, but then these amazing young souls being born. Um, so we'll have a look at a bit of that combined with the blueprints of our soul journeys, our soul contracts, and a little bit of more of a Jane and my understanding of what reincarnation is. Jane. Right. Okay. Go. Oh, okay. Where to start there? All right. So I feel that, oh, do we want to talk about pregnancy straight up? Sure. Get to the toughie. We did have a a listener wrote We did, yes. I believe, and it is a belief, it's not a knowing. Now, I think we've talked about that before, where there are some things that I know. I just know in my soul 100%. This is a belief. So this is I feel this is true, but the jury's out. I feel that a soul during the, the pregnancy actually comes in and out, in and out. I think that the soul is kind of still on the other side and then pops in to the womb and spends a bit of time in mum's energy and dad's energy and the family unit and pops back out again and it's just in and out, in and out. The whole time. Because it's all a bit much and a bit heavy in the early stages with that soul is still very much from from the higher vibration. Yeah, it's got a transition. Yeah. It's actually lowering lowering its vibration to a third dimension. Come into the old human world. Yeah, which is heavy. Yeah. Very heavy. They've got to warm up a bit. Yeah, exactly. So I've often been asked by people, what do I feel about abortion? And I've got a few different views there. The first is that I absolutely believe that it's everybody's individual right to do what they feel is right for them. So there's no judgment from me at all. I believe that if you do terminate a pregnancy or if you have a miscarriage, there are no mistakes in life and that that soul actually put its hand up to come into that pregnancy but it's not like you can't kill a soul. That's right. You just can't. So that soul knows already that this contract is not going to go long term, that this contract is I put my hand up as a soul to be in this pregnancy for however long it is and I'm getting a bit of a practice of lowering my vibration and I'm putting my hand up for this mother or family to have the experience that they are wanting to have or need to have. Now, when I say wanting, I'm sure everybody says nobody wants to have a miscarriage. When I say wanting, this is on a higher purpose of what are the gifts that you can receive from this trauma. There's some sort of amazing, I hate the word lesson because it sounds like you're being told off or you're in trouble or it's something bad. Uh, A gift, a gift of learning. But you are learning. I mean, it is... Usually more than one thing. It's often many layered. It is a thick layering of the lessons that come out of these sorts of things. That's right, exactly. Mm. So I guess that what I like to share there is that my belief is that if you do um, terminate, please, guilt-free, it's not killing a soul. Mm. Some of the most upset clients I have are the ones who terminated when they were 16 or even as grown One of my dearest friends um, who is in her mid-40s and has always wanted a child Mm -hmm. has – 
great grief about the termination that she did in her early 20s because she actually hasn't had that child. It hasn't happened. Yeah. But that's another story for another day and the jury's not out. She still may. Um, However, you know, people then, some the, the lady that emailed us then said, well, does this little soul just sit on the shelf and wait until I'm ready to be a mother and then we'll come back? My belief is not this particular little soul. This little soul, if it's ready, it could, it possibly could wait until you're ready. However, the chances are if a little soul is ready, or little, a soul is ready for an incarnation into a lifetime, they will choose a particular couple that the vibration and the story, the blueprints of life are a match to what they are wanting to experience for soul growth, Mm. and they'll choose that. Now, if that ends up changing in direction, because we can all change in direction at any point, they will exit and then choose another family dynamic that is similar for that soul to experience their blueprint of soul expansion. There's so many variables here. Like sometimes I'll do a reading for someone and I'll say, look, there's a, for example, there's a daughter there. If you want her, she doesn't have to come through. You've got the choice. You've got about five more years to let her come through. And after that, you know, menopause or whatever's going to happen. Um, and she will not be offended if your life takes another path. This is path. what we need people to understand is there is no offended on no. the other side. And time, apparently our lifetime, if we say 80 or 100 years, it's like a blink of an eyelid yeah. to the yeah. other side. It's it no biggie. It is. There's, it's just not. That's right. And so people really beat themselves up over, am I doing something wrong by not da-da-da-da-da-da or not allowing or not letting in or have I missed a chance and all that kind of thing. It's... There's no absolutes in the universe. It's, it's all quite flexible as well, and everyone's quite happy, easygoing parties here that we're all kind of in collective group agreements with about these soul contracts that are playing out. So, you know, what Jane was just saying about, well, okay, so if there, if you've lost a child or aborted a child, well, does that same soul come back again later if I want to get pregnant? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. That that soul was just meant for that little exchange. That experience. And that, yeah, that was all that that was meant to be. Someone had to play the role and that some particular soul came in to play that role of the baby that never was. Um, I've got a girlfriend who basically if a boy touches her, she gets pregnant. <laughs> she gets. She's the kind of girl who can have... Yes, protectionless sex on the last day of her period when everyone will tell you and the Billings method will tell right. you and Catholics will tell you it's totally safe and she's gotten pregnant about four times. A lot of those times her body has naturally um, aborted, aborted the baby. So she's been let off the hook a little bit. She hasn't had to have terminations every single time. She has had two. Um, and she says to me, because she's highly spiritual, she says, Rebecca, this little girl is trying to come through so hard. And I say, I know, she is. And, you know, some of these have been with different men, you know, and I and we had this conversation just the other day, like maybe in this particular case, this little soul isn't as fussed about who the father is. She's here for you. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's exactly what I was going to suggest. Fascinating. Yes. And this little girl, and you know, my friend's like, I haven't got time. I've got this happening in my life. I'm trying to sort this out. I'm working so hard. I've already got a kid and I'm single and this is – and it's it's almost like, you know – there isn't a perfect time when for children to come. I don't think there's come. ever a perfect there's time never for children. A perfect no, time. No. And and is she she wants to come now. She's trying so hard. She's almost immaculately conceptioning, like coming mm. through on in times when it's impossible. You've just shed the lining wow. of your uterus and you're pregnant. Like <laughs> you're Mary. Like, yes. Maybe you should just get out of the way of yourself and allow this child to go. I don't know. I mean, these are the bigger questions. They're big decisions, yeah, aren't they? They are. Yeah. But it it just goes to show complicated now what about children that come through then die after nine months of being alive or nine years after being alive you know their lives are cut very short and of course in the olden days this happened all the time part of being a mother in the olden days was to fully understand and accept that you were probably going to get pregnant about 14 times and maybe nine of those might live you know, you, you basically had to factor Very in. different, isn't it? Very different, different experience yeah. to what we have grief, these days. Grief was a, a known and understood aspect of life. Loss and grief was part of the world that those people lived in. We have come a long way, haven't we? In some ways it's 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 not right. Well, I mean, I look at my own pregnancies. Now, my first pregnancy, I wasn't, I didn't have as much wisdom as I feel I have now. And um, because I was older, I had an amnio test, which is where they put a needle into into uh, the uterus. Uterus, uh, sorry, uh, no, into the into the fluid and right into yes, the baby. Thank you. Yes, yeah. And take a sample of the fluid, and then they grow the culture to see if there are any deformities with the baby. Now, my ignorance 
for me personally was that um, I was obviously hoping that everything was going to come back fine, but I equally was like, well, if it doesn't, I'm not going to go down that path. And everything came back fine. Now, my second pregnancy, two years older again, went to do the same thing. And I remember lying on the table, the needle was just gone in and I went, stop, take it out. And I started sobbing because I realized in that moment, I don't actually care what the results are. It's all fine. I don't care. So I'm sobbing and the nurse is saying, you can, you have to stop crying. We can't take this out now. We're committed. We have to keep going. And I'm going, get it out. She's going, stop crying or you're risking damaging the baby now. And I'm trying to get my act together to get my breathing calm, to stop the sobbing, wanting this thing, invasive thing that has a risk of, of causing um, a miscarriage out of my body. Anyway, the test went through fine and I didn't care what the results were, but all the results well. were that all was well. All was well. But why I bring that up is that, and, and then, of course, as I got older, I was incre- I still am at 51, could have a baby on one try. Like I still know exactly when I ovulate and so fertile. But as I got older, I started to think, you know, no more children and, you know, husband with his precious penis, go and get a little snip done. (laughs) Um, And uh, I actually did become quite alarmed as I got older thinking, actually, I would not really want another child now. If I'd started younger, I would love to have had more, but I was getting tired and I just didn't, didn't feel right. But what I find interesting is that we have this mentality that our children are to be born, they are born healthy. Yeah. It's, it's like assumed. It's right. It's assumed, yeah. And that, um, and if they're not, we'll just get rid of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, the, and it's, it's playing God. And this is the thing about the medical stuff. Like, yes, we've had all this amazing medical stuff come along in the last hundred years. So we don't lose all of our babies and we can have healthy, safe births and all these sorts of things. But we do get into the God complex with that as well, and we get into a lot of control. So that, and therein comes all of the the due dates and the caesareans and the yeah. And what do you mean? You know, this isn't working out, or like we we just tend to think that we're infallible and invincible, and everything is just a given right that everything should be okay. And haven't we got the, the drug or the technology to fix that? What do you mm. mean we can't just fix mm. that? Um, it's interesting. And then when things don't go right, mm. it's a huge shock. Whereas as you were yeah. saying. In the olden days, yeah. you know, that get pregnant 14 times and maybe if you're lucky, you'll have nine children. And yeah. if you're lucky, seven of them will live to adulthood. That's and, right. You know, there was, it was expected that part of the journey of motherhood was that there will be trauma in this. Yeah. So be- we don't expect trauma. We don't. And so because things are a bit different now where we do expect to have healthy children that live all the way through to very old age, when a child dies prematurely, like I said, either say a few months old or even a few years or even up to late primary school or teenagehood if they die in that, in that time, um, you know, okay, so from a spiritual point of view, I think it's really hard on the children who put up their hand to be those children because the children know their entry date and their exit date. Before they come down to earth, they've pre-chosen that they're going to have that genetic condition that means they're going to die young or they're going to have that car crash. Beautiful friends of mine, Tanya and Brett Maher. Uh, Brett Maher is, um, they have the Hudson Maher Foundation, which if anyone wants to donate to, please do. Um, and uh, their little boy Hudson died <clears throat> at 13 months old. Yeah. Of a, a very rare um, bone marrow. That's right. So sometimes it's going to be your medical stuff, but sometimes it's the freak accident stuff, like, you know, the child that died horse riding or the child that I was- have another beautiful friend who has four children, two of which – both of his, both at teenage years, both had car accidents and died. Right. Like, you know, two in one family, you it's think, you know, this is just. Terrific, right? You know, this so, is where you go, where is this? There's, fair. Two, there's two different perspectives I'm going to give on this. If you know anyone in this situation or you've, God forbid, been in this sort of situation. One is that I think the child doesn't necessarily know that they're going to die young. They because they don't know in the human no, lifetime. They I'm don't saying. know. They but don't have premonitions. However, there is probably something deep, deep, deep down underpinning that's that. And I've seen this before in readings. It's like that doesn't allow or enable the child to really throw themselves into life and start a lot of stuff and get into amazing deep friendships and further business ideas and pursue passions. So there wasn't forward projection. Because they actually know it's almost like, what's the point? What is right. the point? They actually So they're not don't. consciously aware of it, no. but subconsciously they are they're aware. They're actually pulling themselves back a little bit. 
Um, but the second one is sometimes the child that's going to die comes through and they're actually totally fine and they're actually amazing. They're like a small god, like a small Buddha sitting there smiling with sunshine and higher vibrational energy just beaming out of them. And it's all the people around them, the mums, the dads, that the nurses, the brothers that are running around having the lessons in the earth mud, in the shit, pinging off, reacting, having the big emotional stresses and problems as a result of this arrangement. Whereas the child, believe it or not, everyone's worried about the child. They're, even if they're having to take lots of drugs, lots of injections, lots of hospital stays, it, you know, sometimes the child's actually fine, if I can call it that, that they are actually at peace with the role that they're playing in this lifetime. It's mm, an old soul, isn't it? It's very interesting. I want to though question about... Um, so, for example, I know that Zoe, my youngest at three, um, that she was going. We, we've talked about this on a podcast before where her she became very ill overnight with something incredibly rare that they hadn't seen for 50 years or something. Um, and I look back and I realised you know, her root chakra had closed, everything, her, which is the first chakra to close when the soul exits the body. Um, she was gone. But she's still with me. She's just had her 13th birthday. So that was actually, actually... 10, nearly 10 years ago since that trauma in my life. And I have to celebrate that because it was the best aha wake-up call. So much clarity and wisdom came out of all of that. So my understanding is in all our blueprints is that we have exit points. And I don't know whether it's five or seven or I think it's seven, but who knows, it could be more, could be less. And that traditionally most people will have plotted in their lifetime blueprint an exit point in early childhood. Really? Yeah. And then they'll have an exit point in late childhood. I nearly got drowned when I was five. Yeah, everybody's going to have a big aha moment with this. Oh, my God. Okay, so there's one in your early childhood. Yep. And there's one in your late, late, like really elderly. And then they're in between. Now, they're not spaced out evenly. You could have three in a row over a three-month period or you could have them spaced out, Head-on car crash, head-on collision, totaled my car last year. Right, there you go. That was an exit point. Okay, so I rolled the quad bike in Thailand and had that really moment of – Ah, that was an exit. I knew in that instant yeah. that was an exit point. My first thing when Tara, my daughter, came running over to go, Mummy, you were right, I kind of blacked out just for that split second and I just went, I'm okay, Tara, it's all right. I dreamt this. I'm fine. Now, I didn't dream it. What it was was that I actually just had that quick shift into my blueprint and I knew that was an exit point, but I also knew that I had chosen to stay and I'm right. So what an exit point is, is an opportunity regularly throughout your planned lifetime for you to assess on a soul level. Am I, am I on target? Am I doing what I plan to do in this incarnation? Am I in alignment with the people, the opportunities, the scenarios for me to experience what it is I've chosen to experience in this lifetime? Have I already achieved what I set out to do? Therefore, can I go home? Now, in Zoe's scenario at three, I believe her, that was her first exit point. And the question that her soul was being, was addressing was, am I in the right place at the right time for me to achieve what I'm meant to achieve? And right. the answer actually was no. Right. Because she didn't actually have the mother that she thought she was going to have. So I must have been slower on my uptake of where I was expected to be at in my development than where I actually was. I'd been slower. So she'd gone, oh, hang on, this isn't happening. But it was through that illness that I got it that I suddenly vibrationally became the mother. And she's then gone, oh, hang on, I was halfway out the door, but I've just realized she shifted. Now I'm actually am going to have the experience that I need with this mother for me to have the soul growth that I've signed up for in this incarnation. Right. So she chose to then stay. Yeah. I often see this in readings where couples who are aware and fertile or we've been trying and the baby's not coming through, we can't get this baby. And sometimes I'll say, do you know what? It's because the child doesn't want this version of you as the mother. Now, this is a very confronting thing for a person. that's right. Especially when people want stuff now, 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 now. And if I say to them, the universe says four more years, and they'll go, and they'll throw a massive tantrum and they don't want to hear it. And I'll say, the reason why is because the universe wants you to go and work some more on your life purpose. They want you to put down some foundation stones in your work. 
They want you to get the dream house that's going to make your husband relax and feel like he's providing and he's in a good space, which will put you in a good space, which is going to change the energy of the sex, which is then you're going to have your own, you know, if, if you've got your career stuff in a better place, more sorted out, you're going to be a better mother. You've got some more lessons to learn emotionally. And that's that version of you at, say, 37 or 41 is actually the version that this child signed up for, not this one here today. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened was that I wasn't who I was meant to be and then I became it and she stayed. So exit points are quite fascinating and as people start to explore this, they'll realise that, hang on, most people you'll say, have you had a, have you asked your parents if you don't remember it, but do you, did you have an accident between zero and seven? Now at seven, I did, I fell off the monkey bars, doing the splits on top of the monkey bar, being a show off, and landed on my head, got rushed to the children's hospital with suspected brain damage. Right. Um, that was an exit point. And when my mum was four months pregnant with me, she was actually overseas in America, she started bleeding and she thought she was losing me. She went to the hospital. They said, no, it's okay. Years later in a kinesiology session, I found out I had a twin, a vanishing twin that died. <gasps> a boy. Wow. Yeah. And which is actually also quite common. But um, Oh, you've never shared that with me. That's well, fascinating. Something's up my sleeve, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so again. So, yeah, so your exit points are quite fascinating. So... Uh, and you can have an exit point and not be aware of it. It could be that for whatever reason, you got a phone call as you were about to leave your office. You normally leave at 5.05, but as you're walking out the door, you were locking up and then the phone rang. So you went back in and answered that phone call. So you now left five minutes later than you would normally leave. You don't know what you avoided. Yeah. That can be an exit point without you being aware Stuck of it. behind the slow driver. Yes. Come on, but what if they're preventing yes. you from the crash? At the exactly. Yeah. Now. I don't want people to get paranoid about this if they go, oh, my God, there's only seven exit points and I've had six massive car accidents. <laughs> I'm about to die. Yeah. First off, you may not have been exit points for those. They might have been other emotional catalysts for you to be having those accidents that you were never going to die in. The soul was never going to exit. Or maybe you did have your six exit points and you haven't got another one coming for 60 years. Right. Sleep peacefully. Right. You know, we just don't know. So you are not to get paranoid about this. You look at it as being a fascinating blueprint of life, of where we get to check in and go, it's okay. Jane, what do you want to say about when an exit point is a suicide or a murder? Oh, well, they're two totally different things. So suicide... Um, Okay, so I had read some crappy stuff about suicide and it just didn't resonate as the truth. I heard that the soul exits the body and it immediately uh, enters into another soul, into another body, into a pregnancy again, that it doesn't get to go back on the other side and reflect. That was my early spiritual understanding of that and it never sat right with me. I thought, God, there's some poor woman that's waking up with a traumatised right. baby yeah, about yeah, yeah. to be born. Yeah. It didn't ring true to me. Further, what we'll call research or whatever and checking in with my own wisdom, I actually think that that's okay, that it is part of it. It's just part of the journey and that how we end our lives, I believe the other side have quite a bit of amusement about it. They think that we're quite creative in our dramatic ways of exiting life versus, you know, just have a little snooze at you know, 99 years old and just fall asleep in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, just fall asleep and then cross over in the middle of the night. No, we have to do very dramatic things. We do. Um, but again, that's the gift that we give to others around for them to have experience that they've signed up for experience. You know, there are no mistakes. Yeah. So I don't believe that suicide is a mistake. I actually think it is an exit point. I've heard many psychics say that it is the only exception. It's not an exit point. It doesn't make sense to me that it's not. See, well, I don't believe that you put into your soul contract before you come down to earth. I'll be born in 1969 and I'll kill myself when I'm 28 or something. I don't think that you plan a suicide to exit on. I, I believe that suicides happen when the soul has a real crisis and it suddenly loses track of its path and it just, it, like, I don't so want anyone... Okay, so you're saying it's not a preordained exit point. No. But it is a way out when a soul has gone out. a freak out. out. And freak and outs happen sometimes. If you really feel really radically disconnected or, or pushed off the path or you can't seem to find... You feel like you've come off, like out of the grooves. It's like a train derailing off the tracks of your actual soul purpose at a very deep level. 
Um, that or the and fact you've been lost and numb for a really, 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 really long time and you just can't stand the physical pain anymore. It's, you can off more than you could you know, chew for this lifetime. Yeah. You actually put up your hand for too much and you didn't realise you were actually a soul that was just a little bit too sensitive and maybe you took on a little bit too many more lessons than perhaps you should have. Yes. Now, I need to get back to that point too because I've got a friend that did that and I can remember being on the council when she put her blueprint forth. So we'll talk about that in a tick. Um, First off, with suicide, a lot of people will say that it's the most selfish act that you can do. I get that because it leaves the trauma of everybody around them. You know, everything that happens around that is so traumatic. However, that beautiful person, you just have to understand that they just can't take it anymore and they've paid the ultimate sacrifice. Because what they've come into this lifetime to do, they're going to have to come back and do again anyway. They're going to go and have a lot of counselling. So that's right, upstairs. exactly, before they come back and do it again. And that's and that's the other thing. I, I do truly believe that a suicide soul absolutely goes to exactly the same place as the murderers, as the pedophiles, as the goddesses, as, as, as the, the wisdom, Lama. the Dalai Lama. We all go to the same place. There is no judgment there. It is what it is, right? And we've all been all things. You know, we've been the murderers, the perpetrators. We've been the victims. We've been the masters. So that's all cool. So with suicide, um, the, the sad thing, of course, is that it is actually a permanent solution to what is usually a temporary problem. That's what's traumatic about suicide, I find. Now, on the blueprint of life, oh, my God. So I have this gorgeous friend who at one point I asked her and her husband if I could write their family story because it is so incredible that no Hollywood producer would touch the script. It's just completely unbelievable what they've gone through from the most extraordinary of highs to the crushings of lows to the most incredibly unique stories that will blow you away, like within their, and they're only in their late uh, late 30s um, with three children, and already what they've gone through is enough for probably 10 totally different yeah. feature films right. on one topic each. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. It blows me away. <laughs> but I was doing some meditation one day and a bit of channeling for her, and I remember being upstairs with her presenting to these beautiful wise souls her blueprint on life and them saying, well, are you really sure about this? You've got you've taken a lot on here. And her going, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I can handle it. And they're going, well, we actually don't think you can. We think this is too much for a lifetime. And she was really defiant going, no, I'm going down. I'm doing it all. That's what I'm doing. And that was when I went, yep, I'm going down too. I've got other things to do, but I'm also going to be hanging around you because you're sure as hell going to need some support in this. Wow. And that's one of my soul sisters. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. So when we get into areas like murder, and even so, you, you know, you can one off murders, you can have your Martin Bright, so you shoot 30 something people, school shootings, Auschwitz, dare I say, we're getting into some very uncomfortable territory here mm. because. I mean, we I may lose every listener from this episode. <laughs> hey, I think I've already lost some. Um, you know, I had a chat with a really quite spiritual psychic woman once years ago and she was very anti the idea that you choose your reality in that sense so my grandfather was in Auschwitz and he was killed and no one can tell me that he chose that for himself and I can understand her complete rage in that I mean of course I can understand that and if anyone's lost a child through something horrific like that or even if a child has been through something horrific, maybe like an abuse or a pedophilia, or and you think, who, how would put up their hands? Look, I've got to say, I actually do have quite a collection of the oldest of souls as friends because their stories are horrendous. There's, I've got quite a few. Yeah, and and I think it takes often a very strong old soul to put up their hands for those level of lessons. The younger, weaker souls, well, they can't really hack it. They can't hack it. It's in the it's the souls with incredible inner strength that we often can't even quite imagine who do play those roles to allow the perpetrators to have lessons, to allow the police, the counsellors, the parents to have the lessons. Can I just say that if people really are struggling with this concept of how do you justify the murderer or the pedophile or whatever, Beck did an amazing past life exercise with me where I was a real nasty pasty and it was in these dungeons and I was bullying um, prisoners. And I was a, a, was a really aggressive, foul um, abuser of power. 
And you did the exercise where you helped me to get into the energy of the people that I had um, victimized. And what I thought I had done to them, I had done, but you helped me to see the gifts that they received as a result of me putting my hand up in that lifetime to be an absolute disgusting, horrible person. Yeah. And that kind of helped me get the puzzle piece of how this all plays out. Yeah. Is that we actually have to have some of the bad guys for us to get some of these amazing, beautiful qualities from being a victim. Some of the people. So if people are struggling, please book into Beck and get her to help you with that. Even with, um, you know, like when I had to go, go do a child protection course because I work in school, so we have to, you know, go and do sexual abuse training and all this stuff that you just think, oh, my God, what a way to spend an eight-hour day sitting and listening to horrific stories of children being, having horrible oh, things. Oh, a friend know? of mine actually has to transcribe the reports no, from, thank yep, you. for the child protection services. No, thank you. That stuff really hurts. Yeah, you know, oh, she, she's highly sensitive too, and I keep saying, get out of I there. I just don't. Wrong, wrong I've job for you. definitely still got some healing to do. I've never had anything happen to me in this lifetime, but I'm really, really aching for for those children. I don't know what's what that is for me. But anyway. I've peeled some layers off, but there's more to go. But, you know, they'll show you the one beautiful little picture of the little boy smiling who was in the newspaper because he was killed horribly, domestic violence, etc. You know, and it just goes back to the fact, well, gosh, look at the sacrifice. Look at the legacy that this beautiful little soul only lived to five or six years, put up his hand. He's now a teaching tool to hundreds, if not thousands of people. You know, my children go to um, a school that's a special interest volleyball. And one of their year 12 students a couple of years ago was um, uh, shot dead on New Year's Eve. Um, In a country where we don't even have guns? How does this happen? Was it bashed? I can't remember which it was. That sounds horrible, is it? Because I don't actually get into the details. I don't need the we details. We don't need to know the details. No. Um, but no, it was, it was, you know, was in all the papers around Australia of this, this traumatic, you know, this beautiful 16 year old boy. Now they've formed this amazing foundation and, uh, they've named courts after him. They've got these really funky cool stickers that are on every car. And it's all now about, um, which is linked in now with the Sammy. So it's the Lumac Foundation, which is linked in with that Sammy. What's the other one? Something, something for other foundation. And it's all about teaching about bullying in schools. Yeah. You know, and this yeah. amazing child and his family and friends have, have done such incredible work in the last couple of years since this has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, that is the reasons why. Mm. It is the reasons why. It's very, very hard to understand. Yeah. I get that. But it's, it is this, this understanding, just to sort of summarize at this point, that as souls, you, ch- so you, you choose your birth, how you are born, natural birth, cesarean, problematic birth, cord wrapped around the neck, twins, whatever it is, that's all very, very, very pre-chosen between you and the mother. This Now, this is where I don't know what to think about when doctors in particular try and control due dates and they say, oh, we'll just induce you on the 28th comeback after my golf game or, you know, oh, we'll do it before Christmas so it's not a hassle, you know. I, I guess I still have to go with the idea that maybe – that date was destined and the child then comes through on the 25th of December and that was chosen. But sometimes I do wonder, well, are you messing with, with the child's right to come through and be nine days late or to come through as well, a... Well, here's my take. We're only talking about flesh and blood. We're not talking about the soul. Yeah, but Jane, but it's all connected to me. But the stargates, the numerology, the astrology, the all of the the, the the patterning, the way the planets are, the way everything is set up when you come through... To me, in my belief system, completely does have a huge part to play in dictating the fabric of who you are, and that the, the child, the soul, needs to have some sort of well, it's their choice. It's their it's their choice of how they're going to mm. come in and be born on that stargate through that portal. Look, I had first birth emergency cesarean, second birth elective. I'm I am ashamed to say, if I was to have my time again. I would, oh, well, I did try natural birth trumpet the first time, but I don't know. I don't know what I would do, but I, I certainly would not have done the second one, an elective cesarean. I would not have done that at all. I do joke about, you know, it's quite funny when you say, what people say to you, what are you doing tomorrow? And you say, oh, I'm having a baby. That is quite weird. And it, it doesn't sit right, and I would not do that again. However, I will also 
have my children when they're older do some rebirthing because of the trauma of their of what I put them through having cesareans. I think that that needs to be healed. Yeah. But hey, they've got the mum that's put another hundred bucks in the therapy jar. It's okay. We know where to go, where to send you. We'll get it done. I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. It's all okay. The other side of it though is that I don't think there is a mistake about the date that that child explodes into this beautiful world. Yeah. So whether it is through a vaginal birth or being lifted out yeah. or a premature birth, right. you know, right. that's not a mistake. Yeah. That's in the blueprints and that was the day that that beautiful soul went, I'm going to take my first breath then and I'm going to have the first gaze at my mother's eyes. And I think I think you, We need to do I wonder if people know about the first gaze too. Talk about the first gaze. Okay, so the first gaze, I didn't know about this when my babies were born. However, I've had a friend that's had babies since and she's experienced it because we got the knowledge. So that's when the baby is very, very first born, they're the very first thing that they're doing is searching for their mother's eyes and it is a stare that if you instead of going oh my god you hold the baby and then you look up and you look at your partner or you look at the doctors or the nurses or you look at the home birth midwifery or you look at your other children don't do any of that just gaze at this baby because that little soul that brings tears to my eyes I didn't even experience it that little soul is wanting to just check in with you and go ah Connect. That's my mummy. Yes. Yep. That's the soul that I signed up for. Here I am. Yes. Yay. Oh, it's and it's cute. called the first gaze. So anyone that is pregnant or knows people that are pregnant or whatever, just let them know to look for it. It doesn't matter what they believe in. If they, they can think that every one of our Love Life podcasts are rubbish, just still get them to go and have a look for the first gaze because it's there. Um, so I don't believe there's any mistakes there. Yeah. Again, I think that the birth date is the birth date. Yeah. So then, you know, I know we've touched on soul contracts before, but we'll rehash them again in view of what we're talking about here. So then as your life goes on, everyone that you come in contact with of any significance, including acquaintances, are usually prearranged or known, pre-known in some sense. So, again, this is where we really need to confront the fact that the people in our lives that we can't stand, whether it's the awful boss it's the ex-husband or it's the, I don't know, the child in the schoolyard that made your life hell or maybe it's your own sister or whoever it is, whoever these people are, maybe it's someone you only met once for 15 minutes on the subway, whoever these people are, are, are teachers. And we ha- and I can absolutely guarantee you that when we all die and go back up, we'll be sitting around up there having a bit of a laugh over a cup of tea, you know, knocking each other in the ribs going, that was that was funny, that thing I pulled on you down on the battlefield, wasn't it? Yeah, mate, heaps funny at the time, but, yeah, I get it, I get it now. And I, I love the life review that we do that apparently, you know, depending on your exit, you may find if it's a very traumatic exit and that even though it was preordained, it actually was a shock to the soul when it happened. Yes. You were likely going into it like a cocoon state with beautiful, amazing, high vibrational souls around you that you will you will be very well cared for as your yes. you transition from one vibration to another and you'll be, be handled very delicately and beautifully. For those who exit very graciously, as is expected, whatever, they get to then review your life with the most amazing compassion of seeing when you were mean to that girl in year seven of what she felt and what was going on there or the girl that was mean to you in grade seven of what was going on with her and you really get it on such a deep rich soul level yeah. and the thing is it's amazing you can do this work without being dead though and this is why jane and i talk so much about some of the different therapies where if there is someone you've had a long-standing vendetta or uncomfortable dynamic with or whatever, that you can actually have a chat with their higher self and mm. say, why did you sign up for this? What are you getting from it? What am I supposed to be learning? How can we heal this? How can we, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to wait till you've died. But for most people out there in the world who are unconscious and asleep and living these really boring mainstream white bread lives. Yeah, this is nice for you to know about, you know, Auntie Flo who yeah. is an atheist and, that's right. you know, that's all rubbish. It's nice for you to know that this is actually what she goes through. Yeah. You know, it's comforting and because you know, we don't have, you you know, all Christians go to heaven and everybody else goes to hell. It, it, there is no important segregation. On that note, because so much of us have been indoctrinated, so many of us have been indoctrinated with the right and the wrongs, the punishment and all that kind of thing. If you are a murderer or you were murdered, if, if you committed what you feel to be sins, if you killed yourself, all these kinds of things, there is no 
judgment. No. If all it is is that the people, the spirits, whatever you want to call them, that love you the most will come to get you and they'll say to you, how do you think you went? That's all they'll say. And you get to write your own report card. No one's giving you A pluses, gold stars, or taking away D minuses. Or It's purely a chat. And it might, the chat might happen over several sessions. Maybe you need to go away and rehabilitate. Maybe you do need to go into like a flotation tank and just chill out for a bit because that was a full on epic life that you just put up your hand for. Fine. You might want to take two millennia off before you come back again or say, stuff it. Earth is out. I'm going to another planet next time. I've had it to the hilt with Earth. Earth can go screw itself. Like, you know, but the conversation is it's a gentle, mediation sometimes the spirit guides will be a little bit pressuring if they feel like you've been on a lesson for a bit too long or they'll be a little bit you know come on you know how can we push ourselves a bit more to maybe get a bit of evolution here a bit a bit more growth um but it's always very loving and very exactly. accepting and understanding they're actually quite in awe of the bravery of the beautiful souls that put their hands up to actually incarnate and they've all for done the it expans- too. expansion of the universe you know this yeah. is conscious awareness of con- that is derived through having contrast is what is the expansion of the universe. Right. So energetically, they're going, hail you, you're amazing, you know, you the murderer, you actually are amazing that you did that. You the angel, you're, well, not angel, let me use a different word, you the the wisdom teacher, you're amazing, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's right. Because it's very cool. The reason they've got to those positions of mentors and teachers because they've come down and done it 8,000 times, they've lived all those roles and they know the game and they know how hard it is and they're not there to judge you, they're just there to guide you. So there's another concept um, that I want to talk about, which is popular in alien circles, and you might hear the concept of walk-ins. Ah, yes. And it's it's lesser known, and it's supposed to be much more rare. It's something that I think sometimes people jump on the bandwagon of when they want to kind of cop out a bit, and they yeah, it's and not they, my fault. Yeah, not my fault. Or that pretty good victim story. Yeah, that wasn't really me. Or I've changed. I'm a totally different person now. And this is why. So, so the idea of a walk-in is that you will have some sort of major traumatic accident. Usually, end up in a coma, and while you're you're asleep, so to speak, your soul has a conversation with upstairs management, and your soul says, "I'm out." And they say, we have another soul that would like to come in and continue in the body, the journey, maybe for the, the five decades more that your body's actually got to leave on the soul contract. What would you like to do? And you say, let's do a swap scene. And you duck out and somebody else comes in. Now, we've all heard the remarkable medical stories where someone woke up and spoke fluent Mandarin when they were German or, you know, like there, there are weird things like yeah. that, although that, that could just be triggering past life slash subconscious areas of the brain, perhaps being in brain injury or whatever, brain trauma. Um, but there definitely are cases of people who, you know, everything about the way they dress, their hair, yes. the types of people they hang out with. I mean, you do hear about this as well after organ donor, like it's particularly heart transplants. People will start to have feelings they've never had before. Yes, I'm fascinated by that. I think like that's that. beautiful. But that, that all makes sense. It's yeah. all cellular vibration. Yeah. But the concept of a walk-in, just so that you know that that's out there, and if you do want to know more about that, go and read Jalela Starr's books or even Doreen Virtue, I think, gets into the walk-ins concept. So does, I think, um, uh, oh, no, I've just forgotten her name. Um, Sylvia Brown. Sylvia Brown talks about walking. Yeah. Okay. And there's actually some really good websites too because um, at one point I actually thought that had happened to somebody I know and I started researching it. There's some really cool websites because if that is you or somebody you love, it's very, very rare from what I understand yeah. Yeah. that it is very traumatic and they actually need a lot of support and the people around them need a lot of support. It's yeah. quite a weird concept. Yeah. And look, I don't think it mm. happens hardly ever. Like it is a very rare thing. But, but they need to find each other. Like us HSPs yeah. need to find each yeah. other. They need to find it's each other too. to know. Yeah. To yeah. Know. yeah. Um, so reincarnation, uh, which we've, in a sense, not really touched on because we've talked so much about the earth experience of the entering and the exiting, mm. which is a really cool different perspective to take on reincarnation rather than just, oh, were you Cleopatra in a past life, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> um, and, of course, there's so many myths and misconceptions and fallacies and stuff around this past life idea, which I think are perpetuated through a combination of Hollywood ignorance and a mishmash of kind of Eastern and Western, uh, I don't know, People, philosophies. Yeah, philosophies and people just trying to make sense of it in their kind of earthbound heads, you know. Oh, that's um, me. I do that. <laughs> yeah, well, because we're earthbound, right? So, I mean, look, reincarnation to me is such a given. It's not even a question. It's just it is so apparent to me in the work that I do in every soul that comes to me for counselling. Now, I don't always do past life work, 
but I'm able to see how your salt is not limited to, for me, 1979 to whatever year I'm choose to exit. Like it's your soul. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, you guys know. It's not even need to say this, but I'm channeling. So, I mean, your soul is so expansive that it's almost its duty to experience every place, every dimension, every level, every corner, nook and cranny that it's capable of. And to that end, the soul will go through different genders, different cultures, different races, different identities. It'll go through different times in history, different countries, different conditions from apartheid and oppression right through to liberalism and communes. It will go to different planets. It will try different dimensions, different vibrations. It will try different solar systems. And there's really no end to it. I mean, because we never stop growing and learning until as such time as I believe that you really just turn back into white light because you've kind of it's like when we say leave no stone unturned. Well if you've unturned every overturned every stone in the universe and looked underneath it, well you're pretty much back to God again, I reckon. Because what don't you know? But exactly. So obviously within that massive cycle, there are so many different levels of evolution and graduation. So if you wanted to, if you wanted to make a hierarchy out of it or put a school system onto it, sure, there's reception, kindergarten, whatever, preschool, playgroup. There's the elementary, primary school years. There's middle school, junior high. There's high school. There's spiritual university. There's PhDs, and then we go into real above and beyond stuff. Right? Spirit guides become an angel, become a goddess. You know, go higher, go higher. What, what is above that, those levels? Maybe you then become, maybe your energy of your soul then becomes a law. Maybe you become the law of attraction. Maybe you, you know, you evolve into the law of unattachment or any of the, the many karmic laws that vibrate and, and own the universe, you know. And what I love about this the most, particularly when I'm talking with my beautiful atheist friends is that it's such a cool story versus you're dead. You're this lifetime and you're dead and then you get eaten by ants and worms. <laughs> you know, like, I know. which would you rather believe? So I often will say to them, here's the thing. It's not my job to convince you I respect exactly what you believe. This is, And your journey in this lifetime is for you to not believe. That's part of your experience that you've signed up for. So I'm not going to sit there and convince you. All I'm going to say is I don't share your beliefs. And when we are on the other side, you're going to be so damned happy that I was right and you were wrong because <laughs> mine's a good story. Oh, it never ends. Never ends. And the learning never ends. And, you know, sometimes I have to do readings for for concerned um, adults whose elderly mum and dad is maybe 97 and just won't die. They won't die. They've got everything wrong with them, but they won't let go because they believe either that they're going into the ground and they are scared about right. letting go of right. everything they've ever known, they don't have a strong enough spiritual right. belief system, yep. and or they do have a spiritual belief system and they're terrified of the unknown and they just want to stay in their comfort zone of what's right. familiar, right. you know. And the human body is amazing. And, again, to reference Auschwitz, you know, you hear these incredible stories of people who've lived through death camps or extreme conditions, but they do not die because if you've got the will, if you're stubborn enough, you won't let go, even if it's stubborn in, the, in what we call the wrong way, like as in, well, I'm just scared, so I'm not letting go. I'm going to stay here until I'm 110 and my own children have started to die and I'm still alive, but I'm not going to do it. Dig my, dig my heels in, you know, and that happens. So even when you are in your 80s or 90s, don't think you're still not being given a lot of soul work to do at any time at any part of your journey. You never really get a break. Now, I have talked before on love life about rest lives. Yes. Yeah. What do you take those to mean, Jane? I think they're very rare that they happen, but normally that rest life person is usually of great support to somebody that's going through quite a journey. So what is a rest life? It's where you actually get to just come and be peaceful and content. You don't actually have massive, massive highs. You don't have massive lows. You just, uh, you get an easy life. You, you're still there's working that, on there's, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You're never not. Yeah, it, you're still working on it, but it's not, it's not, you're not getting the sledgehammers and it's kind of 
It's a cruisy life. And I do believe that we sometimes like to give ourselves, a bit like chocolate frogs and gold stars, reward lives. So, okay, look, I've been a slave in ancient Greece. I've been a slave in ancient Rome. I've been a slave in ancient Egypt. I've been a servant girl in um, Victorian England. Can I have a break, please? And can I be the dude in the penthouse with the limo, the private island, and like Richard Branson with all of the, the waiting staff? Can I please just have a life off? And the universe goes, sure. Why not? You can work on some other big, heavy stuff, but yeah. I'll, I'll give you a break yeah. on that. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, Go and have exactly. That. Yes. <laughs> I also think that sometimes new souls have an easier journey too. So you'll see a newer soul that it doesn't mean that they're less than. They could have had great lifetimes in other planets, but this is their, you know, first or second or third or tenth visit to, to Earth. Yes. And so they tend to have an easier time if we're going to compare stories. Well, sometimes I think they have a harder time though because they find Earth they can't quite figure it out or they can't quite get in the vibration down here. They're still kind of, oh, settling in. You know, they're really still settling in. So I reckon, Beck, that we're going to have to leave it there because we're going to run out of actually recording time. We have. We've gone we, we way over. We did not expect to go over half an hour. We've gone to an unprecedented hour and 20, no, sorry, 30, 40, 50 minutes. Something like that. So it's not it's not a full hour show. You're ten minutes short, but I reckon you've got enough to marinate on until next week. What do you reckon? <laughs> I think so. Oh my gosh, that's if they're back next week. But if you are, that's because you're meant to be, and we welcome you. And if you're not, that's okay because that's how it's meant to be too. All is well. I trust in the soul journey and have fun joining the dots. So if today has raised more questions than answers. Please do book in for sessions. I mean, Jane can channel. She is a highly intuitive life coach, so you are most welcome to jump on Jane's website. Either look at her highly sensitive people, tools, resources, and courses, and or book in for a session. Yep, which is at janedonovan.com.au. And, of course, if you do want psychic work, past life histories, future life histories, soul regression, um, I'm your girl for that, so rebeccadetman.com. Please keep tuning in to hear our show every week. We try and keep our topics really diverse, and we really do welcome all of your ideas on our Facebook page. Which is facebook.com forward slash love life show. Of course you can private message us. You do not need to put it on the main news feed. Although do you know what? I think we've got a pretty loving supportive tribe by this point. Yeah, you probably could. I Absolutely. If you did, you'd get better answers from everyone else than you probably would from Jane and I <laughs> at this point because you've heard everything we've got to say it ten times over. But until next week, look always keep questioning, keep pursuing, keep meditating, keep going into the truth of who your soul is. Go visit that Akashic Records library and have some fun poking around to really further empower and evolve your soul life is perfect i'm not trying it's just happening